Hey gang, Jason here for The Love of Trackers, and this podcast is brought to you by Punky KN's Animation. So check him out, Punky KN Animations, over on Instagram and YouTube, does awesome videos, does great um, design work and things like that, and he would sure appreciate you checking them out. We use them here at For the Love of Tractors for quite a few of our designs, so I can attest to the quality of his work. It's excellent. You will not be disappointed. All right, gang, so this entire podcast is about 3D printing. I've had so many people ask me to do uh, videos and podcasts on that, and I'll do a video on it someday, but videos take way more time and effort uh, to edit, especially if I'm going to be talking about the process of 3D printing. So I wanted to just take a little bit of time here to discuss 3D printing and the farm toy world. So as a lot of you guys know, 3D printing has absolutely revolutionized farm toys. I would say this revolution really started around six or seven years ago. That is kind of when 3D printing uh, sort of became available to the masses, if you will. And most people in the farm toy world started off with Shapeways. So Shapeways.com, if you're not familiar, First and foremost, nothing here is sponsored by Shapeways.com, so I'm just throwing that out there. But there are just thousands upon thousands, if not millions of items, various scales, various things in general, on Shapeways.com, which you can purchase, and they will 3D print them and ship them to you. Well, a lot of guys, myself included, started designing... We would send our designs to Shapeways, we would buy them, they would send them back to us, they would end up on the farm toy display. Now... That was both good and bad, and I'll get into that in a little bit. But first off, I guess we should talk about the design process of 3D printing. So, 3D printing starts with a 3D design. Now, most 3D printers will use an STL file. Now, that may not mean anything to you. If you're not familiar with it, that's okay. It doesn't really matter. It's a file that a 3D printer reads and then puts out your part. Now, I started personally uh, using SketchUp. SketchUp is free. SketchUp is not necessarily for 3D printing, so keep that in mind. Um, but there are plugins that you can use that will work very well to convert to STL or to help you find issues with things that may not print well. So there's that. That's how I started. I used it for, oh boy, five years, I would say. Um, but kind of backing up again, I used it for a little while, and I kind of got tired of sending prototypes to Shapeways, they would, or, you know, sending my files to Shapeways, they would take forever to print it, half the time it would print incorrectly, usually my fault, uh, or it would show up broken, or various other issues along the way, and so what happened was, uh, I decided to get a 3D printer. Now, my first 3D printer was called a DaVinci. Uh, the DaVinci 1.0, to be exact. Now, it worked fine uh, for some things. For example, wheels and tires, it did a very nice job of. Uh, flasher bars, it did a very nice job of. Things of that nature. What it didn't work very good for were detail parts. And uh, pretty much anything of decent size or anything with a large flat surface. Because ultimately, you ended up with lots of print lines. Because... The DaVinci is a printer, it 
prints plastic. What it does is it has a nozzle. That nozzle melts the plastic. The plastic is on a spool. Think, think like weed eater twine is kind of what it looks like. And it melts that and it moves around making your shape. It goes up just a layer at a time, just the tiniest bit at a time. Uh, you know, usually something like a half a millimeter around that. And while my Da Vinci was not particularly useful for getting finished products, what it was very useful for was prototyping. So I could design, print, tweak, reprint, tweak, reprint, etc., etc., until I got the design I wanted, you know, at least scaled right, looking close enough that I knew if I sent it to Shapeways and had them print on their big, super expensive printers, that it would turn out great. So while my first 3D printer, I don't want to call it a flop, but was kind of a flop for me personally, I have to give it tons of credit because it really got me into designing and it really got me uh, along in 3D printing. It kind of got me to grow. So I went, I used that printer for a couple years and then I started having some trouble with it and I didn't really care to keep tinkering with it or end up repairing that printer and so it just kind of went by the wayside. I actually went several years after that without a printer at home. I was just using Shapeways and then eventually I was using a place called FactFox. FactFox is a completely different beast and uh, it's really not uh, for... It's really not for hobbyists. I, I hate this. I don't know if I want to say that or not, but I, I don't, I'm not sure how I want to word that. But basically, FactFox, in my opinion, is only good if you want to order multiples of an item. Because, one, you're paying an astronomical shipping price. And so it doesn't make sense to order one and then pay like 40 bucks to ship it here. Because it's, of course, in China. So I got by with Shapeways and FactFox for quite a long time. Now, then came along resin printing. Now, it's not that resin printing you know, didn't exist before. It's that it wasn't necessarily home-friendly, and it wasn't necessarily uh, budget-friendly, to be honest with you. Now, once it became budget-friendly, I started looking into it, and ultimately... That led me about two years ago, I guess, uh, to get an Anycubic Photon S. So the Photon and the Photon S, which are both by Anycubic, they are different than the, the Da Vinci I was talking about in that you have a vat of resin at the bottom. So you pour resin into this vat. Below that vat is a LCD screen and you have a build plate that comes down from the top. It lowers into the resin. The LCD screen shoots light up at a particular place at a particular wavelength. And then that will stick to that build plate that I'm talking about. The build plate will go up, you know, again, probably like a half a millimeter, roughly, whatever you set it to. Uh, the whole process repeats. Shoot, the light turns on again. You know, it cures that resin in that spot. Build plate moves. So that's the process of uh, resin printing in a nutshell. Now, so when people tell me, should I get a 3D printer 
And if they're fairly familiar with 3D printing, the process, design, I've been steering them towards the resin printers. Now, I will warn you, it's messy and it's probably not a beginner thing. There's, there's a lot of, I don't know, tweaking, tinkering, things of that nature that need to be done, even with the resin printer. Because what happens is your build plate gets out of level or the plastic, the clear plastic at the bottom of your resin vat wears out, needs replaced or needs tightened, uh, things of that nature. It's not necessarily like plug and play, hit the button and you're done, which is, is what I think most people think 3D printing is. And it's, it's just not there yet. Although it's certainly closer than it was, you know, when I got my first printer five or six years ago. Now, with that said, <clears throat> with that tinkering, with that tweaking, with some persistence, the Anycubic printers will knock out a phenomenal product. Uh, I was shocked at the amount of detail that I was able to get out of those. So with that said, if you, you know, if you are experienced in design and, and, you know, don't mind the tinkering, the learning curve and things like that, it's certainly a great route to go. Like I said, that served me well for a little over, a little over a year, I guess, or yeah, probably a little over a year. And then what we found, a couple things happened. <clears throat> I got more serious about, uh, for the love of tractors as a business. So I decided that if we're going to do this, we need to do it. Uh, let's jump in and let's launch new products. Let's go to shows and sell all that sort of thing. And that was always the dream. And it just, I finally saw the pathway to make that a reality. So the first Anycubic, the Photon S that I had, it definitely couldn't keep up produ with production. So I got a second, which I just got the regular Anycubic Photon. There are some minor differences in it. And I'll be honest, if you're printing small 164 scale stuff, I don't see the benefit of the Photon S over the Photon. So the Photon is much, much cheaper. <clears throat> and so I got that Photon. So now we had two printers. Those two printers were running basically 24-7 for a, a good period of time just to keep up with toolboxes or detail kits, things like that, wheels and tires. Well, more wheels than tires. I use rubber tires generally, but wheels that I make for tires, things of that nature, that was, they were running all the time to keep up with that demand. Now, what happened then was because they're kind of small build plates, you know, they were kind of entry level, all that sort of thing. Well, the, the farther along I got, the more tinkering that needed to be done. You know, of course, things, of course, wear out over time and it started getting frustrated, frustrating. And I was losing production time uh, because of failed prints and things of that nature. So finally kind of made the decision last year that uh, if we had a decent enough show season, I was going to get a more professional printer, if you will. Now, I, I didn't go, you know, all the way in and get like the King's $100,000 printer or something like that. My next printer was a, uh, it, I don't know, Peopley, Peopoly, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. I've always pronounced it Peopoly, but I've heard other people call it Peopoly, um, whatever, the Peopoly Phenom. 
Now, the Peebly Phenom did a couple things for me. One, it's a much larger build plate, so I can put more things on there or bigger things on there, which have both been awesome. The second thing it did for me was it allowed me to move into other scales, which is really nice, um, prototyping some parts for that now, but then it also allowed uh, me to, to crank out more volume without the constant tinkering and things like that. Now, of course, there's some tinkering that has to be done. Uh, that's just the way it is with 3D printing at this point. But when I took that jump to the Phenom, it was pretty clear that there was a quality jump as well. All of a sudden, I wasn't having to level my bed very often. I wasn't having to change out the FEP very often. The FEP is the plastic sheet at the bottom and all of that sort of thing. This made a huge difference uh, in build time and in quite, quite frankly, just the enjoyability of designing and printing parts. As silly as that sounds, but uh, it's, it's much more satisfying to uh, be able to design something, get it on the printer, and come back you know, several hours later and know you're going to have a pretty good result uh, you know, because, because nothing silly happened, like your build plate got out of level halfway through or something like that. And it's really improved that, and it's really made me want to design more and crank out more stuff, which you'll notice if you've been to my website, uh, we're knocking out a whole bunch of new parts and tools and things of that nature. So, that's kind of where I'm at right now. And we'll see what the future holds. I can envision another big printer like the Phenom in my future. Not saying it will be a Phenom exactly, but I will probably look... Uh, and see what's kind of on the market at that time, just because I'm, I've been so satisfied with the Phenom. But um, yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at with 3D printing. Now, the farm toy world, obviously, as I said earlier, has been taken by storm. You know, now the amount of realism and detail that we are seeing by guys, unbelievable. And that's that's why I get, you know, a lot of questions about 3D printing, because you guys that aren't necessarily doing it right now, you want that too. And who can blame you? I mean, you know, certainly not me. Um, obviously, I jumped in on it. But my word of caution, if you're thinking about jumping into 3D printing, is first and foremost, I really believe you need to know design. So here's the great thing about that. You can teach yourself. So I did. So like I said, SketchUp is free if you want to go that route. There's programs Tinkercad, uh, Fusion 360 if you want something a little more professional. Obviously AutoCAD if you just want to go crazy, uh, over-the-top professional. And, you know, so there's various levels. Uh, Blender is another great one. You know, so there's various levels of program out there for your skill set, for your design, uh, time, and ability. Now, the really great thing about here living here in 2021 is there are YouTube videos to teach you how to do anything. I mean, anything. So, you know, maybe download a couple of different programs, see if you like certain interfaces better. And if you do, um, you know, jump into some YouTube videos and, and start learning. I think that's the best thing with that. And then once you're 
kind of got a few designs out, I really recommend uh, hiring out those designs printed, whether it be Shapeways, whether it be a guy like me, whether it's you know 3D hubs or one of some of the other the other printers out there, um, just to kind of get a hang of it and see if that's something you're gonna like, uh, if it's something you're going to you know have a continued interest in, and if so, then you can jump into a 3D printer. Now I I don't recommend jumping into the you know two thousand dollar printers right off the start, you can spend $200 and get you a nice printer. And, you know, I'm just going to be honest for, for farm toys. And, and if there are any like 3d printing sort of pros or expert listening to this, they're going to cringe at me, but for farm toys, I highly recommend resin. So I'm going to talk a little bit about pros, post, <laughs> sorry, post processing resin. It's messy guys. And it's not straightforward. It's not necessarily easy all the time. Now, if you've done 3D printing or 3D design, you'll know in order to get a successful print, you have to use what are called supports. So these uh, basically hold up areas of the print as they're printing so that they print correctly, if that makes any sense. Now, these will have to be cleaned. It has taken me... I, I, honestly, two years to get the process I like, I'm comfortable with, and is efficient. So, let's say you've just got you've got a printer fresh off your printer. You're, you've you've got a print fresh off your printer. Now it's got the supports on it. It's got uncured resin on it, which you don't want to touch with your bare hands. So you need first off, you need some nitrile gloves. You've got your nitrile gloves on. Now you can handle the part. The second thing you need is a bath of 99% alcohol. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be 99% alcohol, but I'll be honest, the higher the better. So, 99% alcohol, guys. <laughs> and this is available online in, like, gallons and things like that. You can find them at a lot of hardware stores, find it at a lot of hardware stores in smaller containers. Um, but I'll be honest, once you start printing, you're going to want the gallon size. So... What you're going to do is you're going to have a container of this 99% alcohol. You're going to put your part in there and kind of squish it around, swish it around, agitate it, uh, all that sort of thing, and then just let it sit for a while. And by, by a while, I mean a minute or two. It doesn't have to sit very long. Uh, and then after I've let it sit for a minute or two, I usually do the, the swishing around thing again. And then what you're going to do is those supports have to be cleaned. Now, if you're really good at design, and if your part isn't really intricate, a lot of times those will just pull off. Uh, but that's not always the case. Intricate pieces in particular, you will probably have to have sprue cutters, side cutters, hobby knife, you name it. <clears throat> you're probably gonna have to use it to snip off all those little supports. And trust me, there's gonna be a lot of them, and it's gonna be super frustrating, <laughs> especially at first. So this can be very time consuming depending on how intricate your part is. Or if it's a real simple part, it might take you two seconds, literally two seconds. You just yank the supports off. But like, for example, uh, when I do field cultivators, uh, it could take me a good half hour plus to clean up those supports to get those off of there. Just on one, you know, one field cultivator frame, let's say. So just beware. <laughs> anyway, now you've got your supports off. So now you have to do what's called a final cure, because even though your light has cured your uh, parts, for the most part, they're going to be solid, 
you have to do a final cure. So what you need is a UV light at 405 nanometers of wavelength. Now, those are available a lot of places. And so, you know, they uh, it's the same light that ladies use, some guys, I guess, use to cure their fingernail polish. So um, it's that sort of light. So what you're going to do is you're going to take your part, <clears throat> you're going to stick it under that light, uh, I do it for usually a good 10 minutes. I've heard people say two minutes. I've heard people say two hours. 10 minutes seems to get it done. 10 minutes, and then if I'll, I'll flip it so that you know we're getting a good even cure on it. After that second round of 10 minutes, your part's basically ready to go. So you pull it out, and then you might look it over because where those supports connected with your part, you could have little nubs, so those may need to be sanded or filed. So like I said, it's not it's not push print and a nice clean happy part comes out. There's some work to be done there. So after you've sanded or filed, then it's time to paint. Now what I do to paint is I have a second bath of the alcohol solution, dip the part in that. This is clean, you know, clean alcohol. We don't want any resin in there. Dip the part in that, take it out, let it dry for however long it takes to dry, you, you know, usually 10 minutes or so, and then you're ready to prime and paint. I prefer a self-etching primer on resin parts. Some guys will use an automotive primer, some guys don't use primer. I don't know how they're getting good adhesion, but that's neither here nor there. So I use a self-etching primer, you know, get your part good and primed. Follow the instructions on your primer and your paint uh, as far as time between prime and paint. Uh, hit it with some paint, you're ready to go. Your part's done. So like I said, it's uh, it, it seems easy. You know, It seems like 3D printing is super easy. You hit print and a whole bunch of cool stuff comes out. It doesn't work like that, but once you get a good system down, it works really well and it's a lot of fun. So... With that said, kind of to wrap it up here, should you get a 3D printer? My answer is, if you already know how to design, and if you're comfortable with design, and if you don't mind doing a little tinkering on a 3D printer, often, because it will take some tinkering to keep it going, working in optimal condition, then yeah, a 3D printer is for you, for sure. Make this jump, come join us, make really cool parts for your tractors. If you don't know how to design and all that sort of thing, then no. I, I just can't see it being worth it right now. I think you're, you know, you would be on step two or three uh, without doing step one, which is learning to design. So, anyway, guys, that's kind of my opinion. That's the short and dirty podcast version here uh, of 3D printing in the farm toy world. I hope you guys liked it. As always, feel free to send questions on various social media. I try to get to them as quick as I can. Uh, send podcast ideas. I've got some neat stuff coming up. I've got a couple history, um, tractor history podcasts coming up, I hope, within, I don't know, the summertime. I'm working on them. I've got most of my research done. Um, I'm trying to be in-depth and really cool about it. Uh, next podcast, we'll do... Just more, uh, well, I have a bunch of new tractor news for one because there's a ton of new stuff about to hit. Uh, so I'll have a, some new tractor news and some reviews. And uh, we'll have a tractor of the week. I don't know what that tractor of the week's going to be just yet, uh, but I have an idea or two. So, okay, guys, 
Thank you for watching, listening, whatever you're doing. <laughs> I hope you guys have an awesome day. Thank you so much for everything. Um, it's really humbling. I just really appreciate it, guys. I really appreciate all the uh, support you guys have given me. Uh, all you guys that come out and see me at shows uh, get, that I get a chat with. That's awesome. Uh, everybody online doing that sort of thing. Everybody listening to this podcast. Really appreciate you. I really do, guys. So thank you all so much. Have yourselves an awesome day. Happy tractor hunting.